Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. With seven weeks of games in the books, we are now at the midway point of the fantasy regular season for those that play 14 weeks. So this episode, we'll jump around with various thoughts on how to best proceed for the rest of the season. Overall, it's obviously been a very strange year. Top quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have struggled. A bunch of running back rooms around the NFL have been flipped due to injury or otherwise, and a bunch of pass catchers with high expectations entering the season. Guys like Kyle Pitts, DJ Moore, and Allen Robinson have been disappointments. So this episode is a bit of a resetting to hopefully help you make a run over the next several weeks. A few episodes ago, I gave our rest of season rankings at each position for quite a few players, but this episode will be more general thoughts at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end without getting too far into specific rankings. At quarterback, if you have Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, you're in great shape. They both had their bye week in week seven, so they're clearly the top two quarterbacks the rest of the way, and you can free up your roster by cutting loose any backup that isn't a clear QB1 option that can potentially be moved in a trade. Behind them, Patrick Mahomes has overtaken Lamar Jackson as the QB3 in the rest of season rankings. Mahomes has a bye this week, so he'll then be in the same position as Allen and Hurts and that you only need to carry one quarterback on your roster. We'll see if Jackson can rebound on a short week to face the Bucks on Thursday night, but Kansas City is in a better spot on offense, so Mahomes gets the edge in the top three. Now to hit on what to do with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I have more faith in Brady turning things around. Pass protection is the biggest issue for Tampa Bay right now, but I'm surprised that offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich hasn't drawn more criticism for how the Bucks have performed offensively. Julio Jones has been out essentially since the opener, but an offense with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, plus some good complimentary pieces like Russell Gage, shouldn't be performing as bad as they are with the greatest quarterback of all time under center. The matchup versus Baltimore doesn't look as great as it did a few weeks ago with the Ravens shoring up the back end some, but I'm still going to roll with Brady as a QB1, and if you're stuck trying to find an answer quarterback, I'd be trying to acquire Brady, and maybe things would be different right now if Mike Evans were to call the deep ball on the opening drive against Carolina. I think it might take a big play like that to break things open and get Tampa Bay's passing offense back on track. For Rodgers, I'm a little less optimistic, but still believe he can be a low-end QB1 option the rest of the season. Green Bay has been discussed as a team that could be in the market for wide receiver, both by Rodgers himself and in the media but I'm honestly not sure there's a huge upgrade to be had. Instead, they might need to hope that Christian Watson can get healthy to provide a vertical threat, and Sammy Watkins can stay healthy after he looked good in limited action last week. But Romeo Dobbs, I think, is the guy, along with Alan Lazard, that they need to lean on most. Dobbs is coming off his worst game as a pro, but based on the talent he's shown to begin his career, it'd be a mistake for Green Bay to push him aside despite the Week 7 struggles. This Sunday night against the Bills in Buffalo is probably a spot to avoid Rodgers and the passing attack, but I definitely wouldn't drop him. And maybe the Packers, who could be 3-5 and five if they lose this week, will make an unforeseen splash by acquiring a player that maybe didn't seem to be available. Another quarterback that has fallen off in recent weeks, Jared Goff. I think this has more to do with the weapon simply not being healthy. Detroit was the NFL's top scoring offense to begin the year, I think through the first four weeks, 
but DeAndre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown being out or in and out of the lineup has really drained the firepower from Detroit, and there are definitely matchups for golf to be at least a quality streamer, assuming the offense gets back to full health, including the eventual addition of first-round pick Jameson Williams. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is in a similar position. You'll be able to stream him in plus matchups as the Niners getting Christian McCaffrey really boosts the floor and ceiling for Jimmy G, and he's averaged 299 passing yards over the past two games with multiple scores in each of his past three games. And then finally, Deshaun Watson. I personally have no interest in picking him up for my team, but if you're fine having him on your roster, now is probably the time to do it. Cleveland could realistically not win a game with matchups against the Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, and Bucks before Watson is eligible to return, but they're still going to play the quarterback they paid a heavy price for in multiple ways, and Watson can definitely be an upside QB1 for the fantasy playoffs. Now jumping to the running backs and sticking with Cleveland, I'd assume with the Browns being 2-5, and five, Kareem Hunt is a definite trade candidate which really doesn't have a huge impact on Nick Chubb's value. He's our RB2 for the rest of the season, but it would increase his touchdown potential with the Browns being more likely to stick with him in goal line situations. But I wouldn't say Hunt being moved is a foregone conclusion. Really the only team I could see trading for him after also being in on Christian McCaffrey would be the Rams. But barring another injury in week eight, that would open up another landing spot. I'm not sure Hunt's value would increase anywhere other than with the Rams. If Los Angeles ends up staying put with their current running back room, I'll continue to recommend Kyron Williams as a great stash in all formats. His pass protection is what will get him on the field, and he's also an excellent pass catcher that would provide an outlet for Matthew Stafford behind a shaky offensive line that won't have offensive tackle Joseph Noteboom for the rest of the season. So Williams, who wasn't activated this week, I think will be fully healthy because of the surgery rather than regular rehab for his high ankle sprain. So especially if you have an IR spot, I'd say Williams is close to a mustache for an offense that could be improved coming out of the bye with Van Jefferson back at wide receiver. Another guy that I previously mentioned investing in is Travis Etienne, who now has the backfield to himself with James Robinson getting traded to the Jets. Opportunity has been the question for ETN rather than talent, but he'd already taken over the backfield over the past three weeks by averaging 8.0 yards per carry on 34 attempts. That's only 11.3 attempts per game, so ETN's only going to be better and will now have the goal line role with Robinson gone. Also, there's room for him to improve as a pass catcher, so ETN is at least an upside RB2 and has a case for being a top 15 option the rest of the season. The matchup this week in London isn't great against Denver, so if ETN struggles, I'd definitely be looking to acquire him before the buy-low window likely gets slammed shut if it's not already. For the New England backfield, Ramondre Stevenson has taken over as a lead back and preferred fantasy option over Damian Harris. He saw significantly more playing time and touches on Monday night, but Harris is still someone I'd want to invest in. Overall, it was a weird game for the Patriots against the Bears. I thought they'd come out and, whether it was Max Jones or Bailey Zappi under center, actually run the ball under center with both Stevenson and Harris and setting up play action opportunities. But there was a lot of shotgun running. The offense never got into rhythm. And the downside for Harris owners is that Stevenson 
was given the touchdown opportunity from four yards away, which he converted. But I don't think Stevenson will be the clear goal line back. Instead, it might be them rotating drives with Stevenson handling the third downs. And it's important to note that Harris was coming off a hamstring injury and should have increased upside when game script is in New England's favor. So I assume many will be cautioning to avoid Harris or sell him if you can, but I'd recommend the opposite and hope that Monday night ends up being an outlier for the Patriots. They'll get back to being a run-heavy team with both Harris and Stevenson seeing enough touches to be weekly starters. Another backfield that flipped in Week 7 was in Kansas City with Isaiah Pacheco drawing the start over Clyde Edwards healer. Pacheco is another name we've recommended investing in. From a pure fantasy perspective, the returns weren't great if you rolled with him last week, but he rushed eight times for 43 yards against a tough defense. And I like Pacheco as a top 30 option the rest of the season with massive upside in Andy Reid's offense. Edwards Hilaire will definitely be involved, but Pacheco's running style could pay dividends when the weather gets colder and the Chiefs are gearing up for postseason football. Lastly, two other new starters, Gus Edwards for the Ravens and Chuba Hubbard for the Panthers. Edwards should be a solid flex option that gets a boost in standard formats. And similar to ETN, maybe hope for the Tampa Bay defense showing up on Thursday night to slow down Edwards and then seeing if you could buy low with J.K. Dobbins out for at least four games and potentially longer, I would think. And for Hubbard, he scored in a difficult matchup versus that Tampa Bay defense. And in limited action this season, he's averaging 6.5 yards per carry. So if the ankle injury that he suffered in Week 7 turns out to be not a big deal, as reported, Hubbard could be a solid bye week fill-in, especially with two matchups over the next three weeks against an Atlanta team he scored in both games against as a rookie. At wide receiver, I'd say similar to quarterback. If you have a high-end option, you're in great shape with Cup, Diggs, Jefferson, Adams, and A.J. Brown all already having their bye week. Because of that, it might be worth looking into if you have someone like Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, or Tyreek Hill and need to rack up wins over the next few weeks, making a move to acquire one of the superstars that will be in the lineup, assuming health, the rest of the way. Because one week, especially if you have someone like Cup, Diggs, or Jefferson that can always put up huge weekly totals, can be the difference in making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. So that's at least something to consider. The other option that has crashed the wide receiver one party is DeAndre Hopkins. I thought, if anything, he might fall off when returning from his suspension with Marquise Brown, potentially being the number one wideout for Arizona. But Hopkins was pepper targets in his debut, and we have him way up to the wide receiver eight for the rest of the season. And he'll get a couple of great matchups over the next two weeks versus the Vikings and Seahawks for taking on rival Jalen Ramsey and the Rams in week 10. For the two guys dropping out of the wide receiver one ranks because of injury, Mike Williams and DK Metcalf. Very fortunate with the injuries all around the league, most notably Brees Hall, that both guys have avoided season-ending injuries. For Williams, the bye comes at a good time this week to get an extra week to rest up without missing a game. But I'd assume the Chargers will slow play his return to get at least close to full strength with high ankle sprains being tricky to play through. But if you sit in good position and make the playoffs, he's definitely a top by low target. As someone with huge weekly upside, 
that can be a difference maker in the fantasy playoffs. And hopefully by then, Justin Herbert will be playing a little better. He's likely dealing with the effects of the early season rib injury, but Herbert has seemed to lock onto targets too often this season, and too often it's not been Williams. But after the bye week, we'll see if the Chargers can get going without Williams in the lineup to make it a more explosive offense when Williams is back. For Metcalf, with him saying he wants to try to practice on Wednesday, I'd say he's facing a shorter recovery time. So hopefully Metcalf is basically himself whenever he's back. At number 20 for our rest of season rankings, dropping down a few spots, Michael Pittman Jr. I didn't mention Matt Ryan being benched, but I'd say it's a downgrade for Pittman. Sam Ellinger will bring more mobility to Indy's offense, but I'd say the passing attack will take a step back. Matt Ryan had 350 yards three times this season, so I'd say Ellinger is a boost for Jonathan Taylor to give defenses another set of legs to account for, but is a downgrade for Pittman and the rest of the pass catchers. Right behind Pittman in the rest of the season rankings is Allen Robinson. He had his best game of the season before the bye week, and even if you don't trust his outlook as the number two wideout in Los Angeles on an offense that funnels through Cooper Cup, something to keep in mind with Robinson dropping below 60% ownership in ESPN leagues is that an injury to Cooper Cup would arguably make him a top 10 weekly option in Sean McVay's offense. So this week against the Niners will be a tough matchup, but I think Robinson should be rostered and I'm optimistic about his wide receiver two outlook when the better matchups hit for the Rams. Now quickly, a few guys I think are underrated for the rest of the season. First, Rashad Bateman, who is back for the Ravens and has been talked up as the number one wideout for them, including by Lamar Jackson, who said they're different when he's on the field. Bateman didn't have a full role in his return, but he looked good with four receptions on five targets for 42 yards. And I think he's a good wide receiver too this week on Thursday night against a banged up Tampa Bay secondary that could again be without multiple starters. Romeo Dobbs, I already mentioned as someone I'd invest in based on the talent but his stock would take a dip if Green Bay does end up making a move. So he's a unique case where you can either buy or sell based on where you stand in terms of your fantasy roster and what you believe will happen before the trade deadline. Then a trio of upside flex options, Jahan Dotson, Michael Gallup, and Darnell Mooney. For Dotson, he caught four touchdowns in his first four games and saw 18 targets across his three healthy appearances. So I like him as a long-term redraft hold, and now is the time to buy low in Dynasty Leagues. For Gallup, he was held without a catch on two targets last week, and offensive coordinator Kellen Moore said that the lack of opportunity was on him, and he'll be more involved moving forward. So with Gallup being available in quite a few leagues, I'd be looking to pick him up based on the upside catching passes from Dak Prescott. And for Mooney, he's cleared 50 yards in each of the past four games, since a slow start to the season, and hopefully the improved play by Justin Fields on Monday night will lead to increased confidence in himself as a passer and increased production for Mooney for the second half of the fantasy regular season. Now finishing off with main takeaways and what to look forward to at tight end, the biggest one is Kyle Pitts, who has shockingly been unproductive basically outside of one game this season. He's been limited to 25 or fewer yards in five of six appearances and only has one touchdown. And he's been a big enough disappointment that I see people asking if he should be dropped. 
I would emphatically say no. I understand the frustration, but dropping a player of his talent level just isn't something that you should consider. For now, you can play early season waiver pickups like Taysom Hill or Gerald Everett over him, but at some point, you have to think Pitts will break out, and I'd assume you'd feel a lot better about it if it's on your bench rather than being picked up by an opponent and played against you. And it's not like tight end is in great shape outside of the top options. So I'd still consider Pitts a low-end tight end one based on the talent, and I'd be playing him unless you have another strong option or are able to stream a player with a great matchup. One option to consider this week to start over Pitts would be Mike Isicki as he takes on Detroit. The Lions are allowing 13 points per game to opposing tight ends, including at least 7.4 fantasy points and at least 52 yards in every game. So I like Gesicki's upside this week against them. And like Pitts, he's someone that, despite the low floor, has the ceiling to be a difference maker in any given week. So like me in my league, losing David Njoku, I have Gesicki slated to start this week against the Lions, and then next week against the Bears, with the hopes he'll at least get an opportunity to find the end zone with a target in the red zone. Another guy with a good matchup this week is Irv Smith Jr. versus the Cardinals, who have routinely struggled to defend tight ends and just allowed a big game to Juwan Johnson last Thursday night. The downside for Smith is Minnesota playing through Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, so he's someone to pick your spots with. And again, I like his outlook this week against Arizona. A couple of more guys to finish off. Greg Dulcich was mentioned in the previous episode and came through with a solid day, six receptions for 51 yards on nine targets. Based on his talent and role in Nathaniel Hackett's offense, the rookie should be a tight end two for the rest of the season, and it's encouraging that he's produced with both Russell Wilson and Brett Rippon under center. So Dulcich should be a solid streamer this week against the Jaguars, though I'd prefer both Kosicki and Irv Smith Jr. Lastly, Mike Evans made headlines last week by saying I miss Gronk in the locker room, and I thought that November would be the potential return date for Gronk late November. But if the Bucks end up disappointing again on Thursday night, I wouldn't be surprised to see Gronk get a call from Tom Brady and return to the field for another run. Maybe this is just a pipe dream, but I think it's worth taking a shot on Gronk, assuming he's available in your league and you need help at tight end. And the more realistic target date might be after the Germany game in week 10 with Tampa Bay having a bye after that to maybe get Gronk back into the swing of things, which shouldn't take long considering his chemistry with Tom Brady. So if he's someone you have on your radar, it might make sense to pick him up now if you have the roster space, especially if, as stated, you have a quarterback like Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts that had their bye week pass and you're able to cut bait on a backup quarterback. And that will conclude this episode. As always, you can find our full analysis and rankings at wolfsports.com. And if you're a member of Fantasy Consigliere, we'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. Until next time, thank you for listening, and happy Halloween. I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.